Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today I am taking over for Jeff. This is Aaron. Jeff's on vacation working on his tan at the beach, so hope he's having fun. We have been really fortunate this summer to take some really awesome trips. Uh, I myself have gone to a few different and new and exciting places, which I've talked about on other episodes of the podcast and written about on the website. But Greg got to do an amazing trip. He's just back from it. He got to do a bit of a European vacation. So, Greg, good to have you back in the U.S. And uh, why don't you just briefly tell us uh, your trip itinerary? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. It's, it was an awesome trip, but also always good to be back stateside. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty incredible. I was in Europe for a full three weeks, which, uh, yeah, was just Incredible. I've spent five days riding in Spain. I did two full days at the Eurobike Expo, three days of riding in Morzine, France, and four days in Lenzer Heights, Switzerland, plus a bunch of travel days in between there, too. So, um, yeah, all over the place, four different stops, which was pretty rad. That's awesome. Do you know how many miles you rode over your whole trip? That is a great question. My wife asked me that, too. I don't know. I've been tracking mileage stats since the beginning of August, since I've also traveled to Sun Valley and to uh, Crested Butte for other trips. And in the past, like, five weeks, I've done 530 miles of riding. So um, it's been a pretty full month or so. That's awesome. So obviously, a three-week trip is uh, it's a lot to talk about. So we're going to take this in chunks. And today, we're just going to talk about your time in Spain. So where were you in Spain? Because that's a big country. It is. And the whole time I spent in like the Pyrenees Mountains, which is the mountain range that forms the border between Spain and France and has another little country in there called Andorra. But I covered six different valleys in that mountain range in five days. I covered the Ainsa Valley, the Benasque Valley, Valfosca, Cerdanya. Oh, I'm only up to four. Uh, I did a few other valleys too. So there is a lot of different places, which is pretty awesome. Cool. So you were there for for five days, uh, right? Yeah, five days of riding. Okay. So, Sweet. Um, plus some travel in there too. So pretty full immersion into like that whole zone. And uh, I worked with a, a company called MTV Dreams, which was pretty rad. And we'll talk about them more later. But uh, one important thing to note is like I wanted to go and like experience the Pyrenees. So we did sort of like this tour through the Pyrenees, and so we had like three or four different places we lodged. But for most people, most trips, you know, you probably won't do that. You'll probably stay like in just one of these valleys for like a week because each valley has enough riding to do for a week, you know, and you get to spend more time riding, less time like riding around in the van from one place to another. But my goal is to sort of survey the entire area, which was a little, you know, it's not typical. Right. So what, what, uh, you mentioned your accommodations, where did you stay if you stayed a bunch of different places? Yeah, it was all across the board, which is pretty fun. So we did a couple nights in a condo in a mountain town in the first valley, um, which was cool, but, uh, the next few were even better. So we did one night in a, a really sweet hostel, like way up high in the mountains with um, some really cool folks that took care of us there, just incredible food. And then the final stay in Belver was like lodging in like this bed and breakfast, but it was in this like ancient stone building that was like reminiscent of a castle. I mean, the buildings there were all like 500 years old or more, which was, you know, pretty surreal. Like you didn't have maybe some of the like modern amenities, you know, but just 
staying in like this ancient building was pretty unique. Sweet. So what did you do for food and drink? MTV Dreams took care of all of it, which was rad. And most of the places we stayed, you know, they had breakfast at Lodging, and then we just... Sorry, lots of verbal pauses. It's okay. So MTV Dreams took care of everything. Uh, they are a all-inclusive mountain bike trip planner. So you just say, hey, I'm going on this trip, and they plan it all. But for the specific places, most of the places we lodged, you know, we did breakfast there, and then we rode all day every single day. But uh, the cool thing about Europe is, like, there's these little villages all over the place. So we, like, be riding our morning ride, pop out into a random village, stop for, like, lunch and beers, and then keep riding, which was sick. And then we just usually do an evening meal at one of the restaurants locally and got to sample a whole bunch of different stuff that isn't, you know, maybe typical of what you'd see in the States, like rabbit leg and lots of sheep and lamb and different and duck and different meats that like aren't as common around here. Right. Cool. So that's enough about where you stayed and what you ate. What people really want to know is how was the riding? So what were the trails like? And the single track was just incredible, just all over the place. And it's hard to sort of explain because you always tend to like compare things to like something else that you've ridden. So, uh, but overall, the trails were really steep and rugged. You know, we have steep trails in Colorado, but it was like the trails in the Pyrenees are just much steeper for much longer. And the mountains there, like the top elevation, you know, is nothing compared to Colorado, but the mountains are still huge and extremely steep with like very narrow valleys in the bottom. Um, so the last valley were in Cerdanya, uh, that was the, like the widest valley in the Pyrenees apparently. And I mean, it's about the width of your average valley in Colorado or narrower. So it's like all these valleys are super narrow, steep sided mountain walls, you know, which makes for really steep riding. And a lot of it was really primitive trail you know there's nothing like developed for mountain biking i mean a lot of the trails we rode were you know had been built like hundreds of years ago as a means of transportation to some of these villages way high up in the mountains you know and they uh, are still you know there and rideable today which is pretty awesome so no berms and tabletops then you know every now and then we get into a berm like one or two you know but a very very few you know, lots of times some natural stuff into the side of the hills. A few places we rode were like a couple of trails were like more often used and you find a little bit of development, but not like a, a purpose built flow trail or anything. Right. So were you doing a lot of climbing and stuff on these rides or, you know, what, what, uh, you know, were you, were you doing shuttles or how are you getting around? That is a great question. So, you know, if you can, Basically, book any type of tour you want with MTB Dreams. If you're an XC dude, you want to climb thousands of feet, you can sign up and do that. But I was like, you know, I want to cover the most trail as possible. And, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, like I like to ride sort of enduro, you know, and I don't necessarily need to climb a ton. So what we did for every <laughs> single ride we did was uh, was a van shuttle. And every single one was like a point-to-point van shuttle. And we still did a good bit of climbing, but because of the the fact that these mountains are, you know, older, there's villages everywhere, there's dirt roads and paved roads going up into the mountains all over the place. 
unlike, say, uh, Colorado or lots of places in the West where you just can't access with a vehicle, we could take a van shuttle up every single one. And even the dirt mountain roads that were super steep were pretty well maintained because you know nobody owns a massive four by four in Spain like they do you know in the states. So yeah, so we got a shuttle uplift, which was awesome because we would do like say two or three shuttles in a day. Whereas if you're gonna pedal up those mountains, you know every single ride would have been a full day of riding. So we got to cover a lot more single track, and basically for the climb, you'd just be pedaling up the dirt road that we rode up in the van. So. We uh, maximize our single track time and our descending time. I did pull climbing descending stats, and over the course of the week, I think we climbed, pedal climbed uh, about 6,000 feet, and we descended, though, over 45,000 feet. Damn. Which, uh, That's a good ratio. Yeah, it, it's pretty <laughs> freaking rad, you know, but it's still, you know, doing a couple thousand feet of climbing in a ride and then going, getting to go down 6,000, you know, still a lot of work, but we got to definitely maximize this single track experience. Very cool. So you mentioned MTB Dreams is the company that uh, you went on the tour with, but who are the, the people behind MTB Dreams? Who did you ride with? So I rode with a guy named Jordy Bonnet. hope I'm pronouncing that right. And he's the guy that started MTB Dreams about three years ago, and he owns and runs the company now. Uh, so he rode with uh, me the entire time. For a few days, we also rode with another one of their guides named Juan Garcia. And then finally, for the first two days, uh, another guy named Oyvind, who is a Norwegian, uh, I guess, expat. I don't know what the word is, but uh, living in Barcelona who works for a Norwegian mountain bike publication. So he also rode with us. And then in addition, so like in every valley we went to, Jordi has like people he knows and works with there and so in each different valley we had a different shuttle driver for the day or two that we were there so he would drive the shuttle for us so it wasn't like we're having to self-shuttle and go pick up vehicles which was really nice so we got to meet a bunch of awesome people along the way as well very cool so it sounds like the terrain that you're on was pretty burly so what uh what bike did you ride and what kind of bike would you recommend for people interested in and riding in the Pyrenees? I was on a Scott Genius, uh, just a standard Genius, which is about a 140 mil travel trail bike. And the model I was riding was about a year or two old. And I did all right on it. You know, I could, I definitely rode just about everything and rode a bunch of sections where Jordy was like, oh, one of our, only one of our tour people of all time has been able to ride that. I was like, all right, well, let's make it two, you know? <laughs> But it definitely wasn't like, let's say, the ideal bike. I would, uh, especially for the enduro style riding, you know, a 160 mil travel bike with like slacker geometry would have been a more ideal choice. But, you know, I still did it fine on a trail bike. Um, it's one of those things where you can probably ride on just most of it on just about anything. It's like, what are you going to have the most fun on though? I mean, the big recommendation I would have is just like burly tires and a tubeless setup, which I I had tubeless tires to begin, but they were really narrow, and I pinch flatted like the entire tire and sort of went through a long series of things, but then just like broke down, bought some tires, set them up tubeless, and then we're solid for the rest of the week. So, yeah, the tire recommendation is a big one. Yeah. So, this was this your first time in Spain? Yeah. I mean, on this whole European trip, it was my first time in five different countries. So, wow. Spain. France, 
Germany, which I'd flown through before, but I didn't really count that. Austria and Switzerland were all new to me. So this trip was just a bunch of firsts, you know, it was basically most everything I did was like, oh, that's the first time I did that, you know, so. Right. How, so how being a first time visitor to Spain, how was, how easy was it or difficult, I should say, to, uh, to navigate? Well, this leg of the trip was like the easiest one because I had MTV dreams, you know, and basically since it was all inclusive, let me talk about that a little bit. So MTV dreams, they do like all inclusive mountain bike trips. Whereas like most guides, you, you get yourself there and then you plan everything and then they show you around the trails. MTV dreams, you call and you're like, Hey, I want to do this type of trip. Here's where I want to go. They plan everything. They, they plan, you know, your transportation to and from the airport. They plan the lodging, the food, the drinks, the shuttles. You know, the bike I used was an MTV dreams rental. So if you don't bring your own bike, you can do that. Basically they take care of absolutely everything which is really nice because Spain, it's not really totally first world, which I was a bit surprised at. So unlike lots of other countries in Europe where pretty much everybody speaks excellent English, you can't depend on that in Spain. Um, Spanish is my only second language. So on the couple of days where I was on my own, like wandering around Barcelona, like I was able to make it because I had some Spanish to draw, but if you don't know Spanish, it can be pretty tough because you can't expect people to just know English. Uh, the other thing that I found challenging was most of the time we were there, we were in a state in Spain called Catalonia. Um, it's one of the richest like areas of Spain, but Catalonia has its own language called Catalan. And it's a, uh, you can't even call it a dialect of Spanish, you know? So, Spanish in Spain is different from, say, Spanish in, in Mexico or in some other countries in South America, but Catalan isn't even Spanish. The writing is so different. The words are different. It's a, it's a challenge when you, you're listening to somebody and you're like, I know Spanish. I feel like I should be understanding this, but then it turns out they're not even speaking Spanish. That's why you don't know what they're saying. So that was a challenge. But, you know, since I was hanging with Jordy most of the time, you know, it was pretty easy, which I think that's uh, important for, say, somebody from the States who might want to go there to know like that. They'll just take care of everything. And, uh, yeah, I was talking with a few folks and, and Jordy, the guy that owns the company, I mean, he speaks pretty excellent English compared to most Spaniards um, from what I hear. So, you know, that always that makes it easy for somebody who doesn't know the language. Cool. So what was your favorite or the best part of the trip? Man, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously the riding was incredible and got so many fond memories from that. And we got to meet lots of really cool people and just, I got to learn a lot about Spanish culture. But I think for me, possibly the coolest thing was just sort of the history and the incredible culture in Spain. You know, since, so Spain had a dictator up until like the mid seventies and I can't remember the dude's name off the top of my head, but basically this dictator was in place from after world war one until like the mid to late seventies. And then sort of democracy started working its way in. So Spain, like I said, isn't fully like developed, especially in the rural areas, which, you know, makes things like internet access difficult and like public transportation isn't like the rest of Europe, but there's just this incredible history. Like you just have these ancient, buildings in each of the mountain towns like you go through you go into a village and it's like oh there's a thousand year old church there's a 500 year old building uh, but unlike 
a lot of other places I've been where maybe they have like these historic buildings and their tourist attractions. It's like the people still live in and use like these 500 plus year old buildings in their everyday lives, which I've never seen anything quite like that before, which, so that was just really neat to be like, Oh, we're going into this restaurant. Yeah. Building's 500 years old. NBD, you know, here's my apartment. It's in this ancient thing that looks like a castle, you know, it's just, uh, uh, yeah, that was totally unexpected, but super cool. Great. Well, it sounds like you had an awesome trip and I can't wait to see some of your photos and read about more of your European adventures. So if people want to get in touch with MTB Dreams, how can they do so, Greg? They have a website. And I should know it, but I'm pretty sure it's just mtbdreams.com. Let me double check for you. And uh, through the website, you can see like an overview of some of the the trips that Jordy can offer. But as I mentioned, you know, he likes to tailor the trips to each person. So, you know, when I clicked on like Enduro and I was looking at the Pyrenees, like there's about a paragraph of description and that says contact us. So you just contact Jordy and he can make the trip like as difficult or as easy or basically whatever you want. You know, if you want to go with your wife and kids and you want them to have something to do, Jordy can make that happen. Um, he's been doing this for about three years now and is a uh, full time at his job and he does a pretty friggin' excellent job at it. So, um, yeah, essentially you get on the site and contact Jordy and he will set you up. Awesome. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of the Single Tracks Podcast. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, please jump on iTunes and leave us a review. It'll help other mountain bikers find us and listen to all our uh, various stories and tips and all that good stuff. So be on the lookout, the Single Tracks homepage, for more of Greg's European vacation. And we'll talk to you next week. Later. Later.